a moment just to introduce um, our guest uh, preacher for today. Uh, some of you know Mike McClanahan. Uh, he has been uh, a pastor to me. Um, I grew up in Hendersonville, Tennessee at First Baptist Church Hendersonville, and um, he was one of my pastors back when I was younger, but also single. He was a singles minister, uh, I guess maybe, what, 15 years ago, something like that, right? Um, so it was my pastor during that time uh, before I moved to the city. But then was also very instrumental uh, in helping uh, me move to the city, praying for me, encouraging me uh, as I moved here to New York. Um, since then, he has moved from uh, the, being the singles minister to actually being the missions uh, pastor at Hendersonville First Baptist. And so he is, in, in many ways, um, a friend, but also uh, a direct boss, I guess you could say, as I'm on staff with uh, First Baptist Hendersonville. Some of you may not know that, uh, but uh, this is kind of the church planting uh, life that we're season that we're in is that um, we are uh, sponsored really heavily and really cared for well, um, prayed for, um, and also resourced well. And teams come from First Baptist Hendersonville, and Mike is really behind a lot of that. And uh, we are in a very blessed position uh, because of that partnership. And so I'm thankful for Mike. I'm thankful for First Baptist. Um, as they have been a part of everything that we've done. Um, the fact that we're even in this room um, is largely because of First Baptist and God working through, through them as a church. And so I'm grateful to have him come as he is not just uh, someone that I'm on staff with there in Hendersonville, uh, but also has been a friend and a pastor as well. He's going to continue in our series, Jesus in the Psalms. And so I know you will be blessed as we continue to see Jesus clearly and experience him fully as we look um, at the Psalms today. I'm going to invite Taylor to come and to read scripture. Um, and as she does, uh, come to the stage. I'm going to pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for this time that we get to come into your word. I pray that you would be with us as we listen. May all other voices be quieted. Um, all other things that try to compete for um, our attention in our hearts would be silenced so that we may hear from you and that we may be obedient. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 98, sing a new song to the Lord, for he has performed wonders. His right hand and holy arm have won him victory. The Lord has made his victory known. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen our God's victory. Let the whole earth shout to the Lord, be jubilant, shout for joy, and sing. Sing to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and melodious song. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn, shout triumphantly in the presence of the Lord, our King. Let the sea and all that fills it, the world and those who live in it, resound. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains shout together for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world righteously and the peoples fairly.
Chris, thanks for that introduction. Wow, this is so cool to be up here. I am always excited to come in the city. I love the city. In fact, it was 11 years ago, almost to the date, that my wife and I were here in the city. Actually, we were in Queens. We had been invited to a wedding, and uh, that wedding was really long. The reception was outside, and it was really hot. Yeah. And so... um, we were ready to go home, honestly. And uh, there was a guy who came up to us and introduced himself. His name is Sat Paul. Sat Paul, is, uh, he's a Punjabi Sikh. And uh, he said, hey, I'll, I'll be glad to take you back to your hotel. And we're like, okay, we're ready to go. We don't have to pay a cab or an Uber. Let's go. So uh, we, we followed Sat Paul down the sidewalk, and he turned to us and he said, about the block and a half that it took to get to his house, he said, "Um, now when we get to my house, I'd I'd love for you to come inside and meet my family, and then I'll take you to your hotel. We're like, okay, fair enough, we'll do that. A Couple of hours later, we are being served the most incredible Indian food imaginable, made from scratch. We're digging it, because Jennifer and I love Indian food. And so as we're, as we're chowing down, we're, we're having a big time. Never expected all this, but just loving the hospitality. And Sat Paul and his kids, um, as uh, a boy and two girls, and uh, the girls were in the kitchen with mom, but Sat Paul and, and uh, his son, they were like, now, don't get too full because the real meal's coming. Like, yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, the real meal. Uh-huh, this is the real meal, and we were, we were so stuffed. And so we, we kept on talking to Sat Paul and his son, and actually uh, Sat Paul's dad, who was in from, uh, from India, didn't speak any English, but we were having fun um, just visiting with them. And another couple hours go by, you know what? The real meal came out. I'm talking a huge banquet spread of authentic Punjabi Indian food. And we were already stuffed, but I mean, we were their guests, so we were gonna eat. And, and this, was, this was so funny because they'd been telling us all along that the real meal was coming, but I guess we didn't believe them. You know, we didn't notice that um, Sat Paul's wife and his two daughters were in the kitchen. We just thought it was taking a long time for them to, to do the dishes but they were preparing the real meal. Why do, you, why do I tell you this story? Well, it kind of ties in. You see, um, Cam and the worship team, uh, you may have noticed they sang a Christmas song, right? Joy to the world. Who sings joy to the world in July? Well, I guess some people celebrate Christmas in July, right? Um, but joy to the world. I'm so glad y'all sang that today um, because... Uh, it was written by a, a pastor and a composer named Isaac Watts back in the 1700s. He wrote it as a New Testament interpretation of this very psalm, Psalm 98, that Taylor read for us today. And so as that, that interpretation was really focused on Jesus' second coming, but it got picked up um, the tune was changed around, and it became one of the best-loved, best-known Christmas songs ever, celebrating the birth of Jesus. But what I hope that we'll see today as we dive into Psalm 98 is that the real meal is coming. The 
real meal is coming. It's the first meal. It's as fantastic as it is. It's just a foretaste of what's yet to come. And this is, this is what Chris has encouraged you as a church to understand in reading the study of Jesus in the Psalms, that you would see Jesus clearly. And I think you'll see him clearly in this psalm and that you're going to experience him more fully. Let's, let's look at this. So in verse 1, the psalmist says, Sing a new song to the Lord. Now, back in, in the days when this was written, singing a new song, uh, that was to celebrate something monumentous, something monumental, something, uh, a victory, a new song. Think about that. Um, we all like our old songs, right? I grew up in the 80s. I got, you know, like Van Halen and all that good stuff. But, you know, in church, the hymns, we sang Come Thou Fount. That's one of my favorite hymns. Those are, are songs that we know well, and they're easy to remember the lyrics, but when we sing a new song, something different happens, right? You kind of have to perk up. You have to listen closely to the lyrics and to the melody, and, it's, and you realize that it's, it's something different, right? So this singing the new song celebrates a great victory. It says, for he has performed wonders. We don't know who, this, who wrote this psalm when it was written. Some speculate that it was written uh, to celebrate the Jews' return from exile in Babylon. If you remember the story, um, that happened um, about 500 years before Jesus. You know, they had disobeyed God uh, for years and years and years, and God kept sending prophets saying, I'm going to deal with you. Turn back to me. And finally, uh, God sent King Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, they uh, destroyed Jerusalem and took many uh, from the city and from the, the area to Babylon. And for 70 years they lived there. God commanded them to live, to thrive. But to remember, they had... They had the writings, they had Scripture, God's Word, they had Psalms to remind them of things that God had done and the promises that He made. So after those 70 years, they got to go back home. Can you imagine, like, I get homesick. If, if, I'm, if I'm gone like seven days, you guys, you get homesick. You're ready to go home, right, and have your comforts. Imagine 70 years being away from your home. What a celebration that would be. So that's the kind of idea that we can have when we read this psalm. He says, the psalmist says, for he's performed wonders. And this is where we see Jesus. Okay, You might, you might look at the psalm and say, Mike, I, I don't see Jesus anywhere in here. His name is not printed in this text, but he's here. Let me show you. He had his right hand and his holy arm have won him the victory. Now, this is where it is. I'm sorry, any of you, any of you in here are left-handed? I'm sorry, okay? But you know probably better than the rest of us right-handers that the right hand is, is considered the strong, the powerful hand, right? Right? And it is... Um, 
In, in ancient times, it was, you know, uh, James and John uh, asked uh, Jesus to be at the right and the left hand of Jesus when he came into his kingdom, right? It was the, the right hand of the king was, that was, that was something. In fact, uh, fathers, patriarchs in, in ancient days, they would use the right hand to place a blessing upon their children. So it was very significant. So here's the tie-in. If you, um, if you look at Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews talks about Jesus being our high priest. And he offers himself one time for the sacrifice as the one sacrifice for us. And the writer of Hebrews, in chapter 10, he says, once he offered that sacrifice, you know what he did? He sat down at the right hand of God. So here's the connection. Here's the connection of Jesus being the victory. In some translations, it says in the psalm, the salvation that has won, that was won for him, for God. And you see, it wasn't done in secret. The Lord has made his victory known. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. You remember, God made it pretty evident his power, his awesomeness, when he led the Israelites out of Egypt, right? Ten plagues, parting the Red Sea, right? He made it known. I mean, it was talked about all over the known world what, what this mighty God had done. Over and over again, God had rescued his people. When they would wander away, he would call them back. He would send deliverers. And then he sent the one deliverer, the one that we, the one that we call our victory, our savior, our salvation. You know, it says in verse three, it says, he has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. God had promised a Savior from the very beginning, all the way back in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve sinned. God said, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to send a Savior. Throughout the Old Testament, he kept that promise. The Jews were remembered the promise that God made to Abraham, that through Abraham's seed, all nations would be blessed. There were prophecies made about the coming Savior all throughout the Old Testament. In fact, it's believed that somewhere between 300 and 456 prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus. Get that. Okay, I'm, I'm going to help you get your mind around how significant this is, okay? There was a mathematician that figured this out. Some of you may have heard this uh, analogy or this, this way to understand it. But 
Okay, there's this huge number of 300 or 456, right? That's, so let's, let's narrow it down to eight, okay? So the mathematical probability of one man fulfilling eight of the prophecies contained in the Old Testament. You know what that is? That's one in, the, one in 10 to the 17th power. Okay, that's 10 with 17 zeros after it. All right, I can't get my brain around that. Here's the way that helps me think about it. Somebody, somebody smarter than me came up with this analogy. It would be equivalent to taking 10 to the 17th power silver dollars, dumping them all over the state of Texas. Y'all know how big Texas is, right? And it would fill the state of Texas two feet thick. All right? So here's where it gets mind-blowing. You take one of those silver dollars, put an X on it, and you toss it out there and mix it up a little bit. And then you take a guy, blindfold him, let him go marching through the state of Texas. And the odds of picking up that one silver dollar throughout the state of Texas is one in 10 to the 17th power. Guys, that makes my heart race. Jesus fulfilled not only just eight, but 456 prophecies. You know, all the ends of the earth have seen God's glory. It's prophesied that Jesus would be born in this little town of Bethlehem. We celebrate that at Christmas time, right? You know, it, it was, even though Jesus was, he was born in a, uh, kind of a, a, cat, a, a barn, really, kind of like a barn. He slept in a, in a feeding trough, you know, in this little bitty town. But even then, it was proclaimed, right? Now, Chris and Sarah did a really good job of proclaiming the coming of Macy Ruth, right? They did a really good job, even though Macy Ruth came a little earlier than expected. But can you imagine the birth announcement that Jesus had when thousands upon thousands of angels appeared in the night sky, right? Imagine that. Not only that, you know, God sent a, a star that led some wise men from a long way away to come and see and worship this King Jesus. Not only that, this Savior that has been announced and proclaimed, who's won the victory, our entire calendar revolves around it. You know that, right? In the year 2022 A.D., I still use A.D., you know what that stands for? Anno Domini, Latin, for in the year of our Lord. It's made evident everywhere. It's made evident that God has won the victory. 
He won the victory by sending his son Jesus. Right? He was victorious over sin and death because he hung on a cross to pay the penalty that we couldn't pay for our sins. He died. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, he walked out of that tomb, proving that he is God. Victorious, sat down at the right hand of God the Father, showing that it's finished, the victory's won. But the real meal's coming. The real meal's coming. Y'all, let me tell you, Christmas is awesome. We love Christmas. We celebrate the birth of Jesus, but the real meal is coming. Listen to this. This is, this is exciting. It says in verse 4, Shout to the Lord, all the earth, be jubilant. Shout for joy and sing. Sing to the Lord with a lyre, with a lyre and melodious song. A lyre or the harp. No, I don't see any harp. Well, Charlie's got a guitar up here. That'll work, right? You know? And it says, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. I didn't even, I didn't know Nick was going to have his trumpet. How cool is that? But, you know, the, the trumpets in, in, uh, in ancient days, in, in Old Testament times, would have been blown in the temple. There's a call to worship, right? And then the, the ram's horn. This is, guys, you know, you've seen the ram's horn. It's called a shofar. You ever heard it blown? It's got this eerie, I don't know, just monotonal sound. You know, you can't bend, pitch, uh, you can't bend the pitch or anything like that, but it's just... This is really cool sound. It, it, it must have had an effect on the Jews, kind of like it does with me and bagpipes. I've got some Irish in me, and when bagpipes are played, man, it's just something about it. It's battle, it's victory, and that's the kind of thing that, that we visualize, we see here, right? And, and we're encouraged to engage in that victory, right? To celebrate it, because the victory's won. We didn't have to fight the battle. Jesus has won. He's victorious over sin and death, right? In verse 7, the psalmist says, Let the sea and all that fills it, the world and those who live in it, resound. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains shout together for joy. Now, there's personification in there, right? Um, mountains and rivers don't clap and sing, but you get the idea. You, but you might wonder, well, why would, why would nature, creation, need to, to sing? I mean, they didn't, you know, the creation didn't sin, it, it, it didn't fall, but, but we know that when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they brought a curse upon the entire creation, right? Paul says in, in Romans chapter 8, he says that the entire creation groans in anticipation of this real meal that's coming, right? 
We're called to shout together for joy before the Lord. For He's coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world righteously and the people fairly. Things are not all right right now, right? Would y'all agree? Mm -hmm. I mean, just name it. We have, we have war. We have inflation. COVID still around. We have, we have violence. We have suffering. We have death. We have racial injustice. We have all of these things that are just evident of the fall. All of these things that are so wrong with the world. And we want to see it right, don't we? I mean, that's why people march in the streets, wanting justice. Right? Because we know this is not right. It's not the way it's supposed to be. We long for a utopia, a perfect world. But you know what? Marching in the streets and waving a flag... It's not going to bring utopia. The only flag that we can wave or we should wave is the white flag. The white flag of surrender. You get that, right? We surrender to the king. The king's already won the victory. You see, we were, in our, in our sin, we're in rebellion against God, right? Against a righteous and holy God. We are separated. We're like a warring party. And Jesus said, I'm going to fix this. You deserve death. I'm going to take it. Now all you got to do, do is give up. And say, yeah, I was on the wrong side. I am a sinner. I want to be in your presence, Jesus. I want your victory, your salvation to apply to me. You know, we sometimes, um, I think as believers... We kind of get like my wife and I did at Satball's house. We enjoy the meal. Really good meal. Christmas, really fun, really good. We celebrate the birth of Jesus. We, we enjoy being a believer and all of the, all the beauty that that is. But sometimes we get, we get stuffed and we get complacent and we forget that the sampling, sometimes we might call it even the Lord's Supper, right? We, take, we, absor we observe the Lord's Supper on a regular basis, proclaiming Jesus' death until He comes. But sometimes we forget, just like St. Paul's wife was in the kitchen 
preparing the real meal, Jesus said in John 14, I go and prepare a place for you. And I'm coming back for you. Right? Apostle John writes in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, he said, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. The wedding feast of the Lamb. That's the real meal that's coming, guys. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have an invitation to the best meal yet. When Jesus comes and sets everything right that is wrong with this world, all of creation is new. There is no more war. There is no more death. There is no more suffering. There is no more injustice. Because He is just, He is righteous, and He is good. So what do we do with this, guys? July 17th, 2022, what do we do with this? I think there's three things that we do. One is we worship. How amazing is it to come in here in Hell's Kitchen, Manhattan, New York City, in this awesome space to come every Sunday freely worshiping King Jesus. But it needs to be more than just coming in here and grabbing a cup of coffee and letting Cam and the team sing the songs. The psalmist calls us to sing and shout for joy, right? We participate in that. Some of you may have met my buddy Jacob. Um, Jacob's in our college-age ministry. Jacob's been up here a couple of times, but Jacob, when when he's uh, at home at First Baptist Hendersonville, it's a a big worship center. It seats like 1,500 people. And Jacob and the college students sit up in the wings of the balcony. And anytime there's a baptism at our church, as soon as that person comes out of the water, you hear, hang on, Alex, you hear this, whoo, this big old rebel yell, that's excitement, that's shouting for joy. That's the kind of celebration that we should be a part of in worshiping King Jesus because he has won the victory, right? We worship. Second thing we do is we wait. We wait. Now, it's not like waiting in a doctor's office on your phone hoping that you're going to get called back soon. This is waiting and working. I cannot stand to sit still. My wife knows this. It drives her crazy. She's just like, you got a minute, just chill. No, guys, the time is short, and we've got to be busy. This is why it's so important. All of the things that this church is a, a missional church comprised of missional communities engaged in this community loving on the community, doing things like serving with Katie in the Litter Legion, uh, helping HK Hubbard, even doing uh, the art night here. You know what those things are about? That's a sample of the real meal that's coming. That's a sample. See, the community out here gets to see that there's a taste of goodness amidst all of the crud, all of the junk, that's here in the city, you guys are providing a sample of the real meal that's coming. Keep after it, OCC. Keep after it, guys. We wait, but we work. And the last thing, 
is we witness. We witness. This wedding feast of the Lamb, Jesus wants this packed out, y'all. Okay? You ever gotten a wedding invitation and it's, and it's like, um, you may bring one other person or don't bring kids. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever gotten any of those, but that's not Jesus. He's like, bring your kids, bring your cousins, bring your neighbors, bring your coworkers, tell them about me. Let them come into my kingdom and enjoy this wedding feast that's being prepared right now. Guys, the real meal is coming. Let's worship. Let's wait and let's witness. As Cam and the, and the team come up, I want you to think about this. Um, you know, in this verse 9, it talks about the Lord coming to judge and judge righteously. Now, there's something to think about there. Maybe uh, if you've ever gotten a ticket or had to go before court, that's a, that's a scary thing. Yeah, in a, and to come in before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords could be a scary thing. Okay? And maybe it's a scary thing to you. Maybe you're wondering, what would, what would the judge say about me? Well, if you, if you wave that white flag and surrender your life to Jesus today, you don't have to worry. All right? You're, you're invited to the wedding feast. You get to have the real meal. But if today you're worried about what that judgment might look like for me, we finish here today. Before you walk out that door, I want you to find Chris. And tell him, I don't know. I just don't know. Chris can tell you. He can share with you how you can be a part of that real meal. Let me pray. It will be done. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that we can be a part of your kingdom. Lord, that even though we were rebels, we, we spit in your face. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, that we would reject you and despise you, but you love us so much that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to pay that death penalty that we all deserve. Lord, let us, let us be filled with joy. Let us sing. Let us shout, knowing that you are preparing a place for us, that you are, you are welcoming us into your kingdom. Lord, and if there's anybody here who doesn't know if they've got an invitation, Lord, I pray that you will turn their hearts to you today. Lord, you get the praise and you get the honor, King Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Jesus, we do 